Hello, climate change. This is Amy Callisher. I'm learning to say my own name at the beginning because that's what you do. Um, and I'm sitting here with my friend Beth Hudson Hankins. Do you do you say Hudson Hankins? Because everyone calls you Beth Hankins. Um, usually I just go by Beth Hankins because I find that people can remember that. Yeah. And too many H names, they get right. too confused. So well, Beth Hankins is fine. Okay. So Beth Hankins mm-hmm. and I are sitting here. And Beth and I talked once before on this podcast. Once, right? Just yep. once. Just once. And we, we decided that the next time that we did this, we were going to talk about something in particular. And I'm pleased to say that we're actually coming through with that, which is um, this publication from the Center of Research on Environmental Decisions, CRED, C-R-E-D. Um, they put out something called the Psychology of Climate Change Communication, Which we have, you know, looked at. And so, Beth, I'll just start out by just broadly asking you, what's anything stick out for you in reading this, strike you, educate you, anger you? I don't know. Uh, Nothing really angered me. Um, It's just a a much more thought out, nuanced approach to how you talk to people Mm. and what you look for in terms of who the audience is affects the kind of approach that you use and it was a real eye-opener for me to actually look at some of the examples and understand that some of what might be a really compelling um, argument for me would be a complete turnoff for other people so that was interesting can you do you have an example in mind um, it's kind of hard for me to articulate, but they talked about people coming from different values and the value of um, ecology and saving the world and benevolence would be really off-putting to somebody who was, say, more focused on accomplishment and their own personal achievements, hmm. that you'd have to talk about it, come from a different approach for them. Right, so you basically have to tie into where people's, uh, where people care, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. where they resonate. In any case, mm-hmm. 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 and so like something you said, you said, um, you said that something that might might be for you really compelling would be a turnoff. Do you have a specific thought in mind for yourself on that? No, just that the argument the to me of saving the world, making the world better for everybody. That is what hits yeah. home for me, right. but that's not what would hit home for other people. Mm-hmm. And when I think about people in other parts of the world being uncomfortable or happy or having waves lapping at their feet, um, I, that makes me feel like something should be done, but yeah. that's not true for everybody. Other right. people need to have feel like there's something that's happening immediately at home for them. Right. They, they need to see how it ties into their job security or their, I don't know, religious values or it depends mm-hmm. on what the person is concerned about. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was one thing that really struck me in this, and I think I mentioned it before, was, and you said it when we were talking on the phone, the idea of emotional numbing. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you want to try to describe what, the, what they mean by that? Um, I think what they mean by that is just becoming completely overwhelmed. You know, we talk about compassion fatigue. There's just one species after another that we have to try to save and 
one earthquake followed by a typhoon and people get really exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I think it also happens that people get really exhausted with numbers and scientific reports without a specific action that they can put to it. Right. That seems so key to me that hearing about disasters and injustices over and over again can feel really compelling for a little while. But if you never find a place to actually engage, then after a while it's like, well, why should I just keep on pushing myself to feel terrible about all these things by paying attention to them? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of turn off. That happens to me. <laughs> That's happening to me a bit. <laughs> I have to admit. Uh, yeah. So when I think about people who um, don't believe in climate change, they think of it as global warming. And so each time it snows, they think that there's not any kind of climate change. I think about how much easier it would be not to believe in climate change (laughs) and then really, really not to believe that human beings have any role in it. Um, I just think that that would be so much easier and happier Mm -hmm. a way to live, Mm -hmm. which makes it so much more difficult to break through that. I just thought of a conversation I had with a friend recently. Uh, you know, we had, uh, was it last week or the week before, we had the string of 70-degree days, and it's November in Connecticut, and that's just not not anywhere near typical for us. Um, and, you know, my friend was saying, oh, this weather, isn't it so great? And and I, I said, yeah, I'm enjoying it, but it scares me. Mm-hmm. And um, And my friend said, oh, are you worried about climate change? And... I admitted that I was and, and the vibe, I don't know what that person was thinking, but the way I interpreted her response was, um, like, Oh, poor you, <laughs> like uh-huh. that you have to worry that you're worried about that. Cause I'm just you, enjoying the weather. Yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like, yeah, this isn't a really productive conversation in the sense of, uh, engaging this person, which wasn't really, I wasn't trying to, it was just, you know, a locker room kind of conversation. Right. Um, but, it it made me realize that I tend to see myself like I tend to re- resist talking about it in a way because that's kind of the response I expect. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been having any? Wh- wh- can you help me with this, Beth? <laughs> have you been having any experiences that suggest an alternative? No, um, I haven't. <laughs> but I was looking at um, a piece of this. Um, literature that talked about um, prevention versus proactive, um, hope versus fear approaches, yeah. and um, those seemed like they were helpful, although I can't find it. Maybe I didn't print it out today. I'm just going to back up for a second and just, like, I'm just realizing that someone could be coming to this podcast for the first time and we just dove in and I probably should just mention what, what the whole point of this is. And, and really it may be, it's somewhat obvious we're having conversations about climate change and it's, there's a selfish purpose here. It's um, me grappling with this issue and convincing people to come talk to me about it so that I can sort of further my own thinking. Um, And also, you know, I'm hoping I could do that without recording and without going to all the trouble and, and, and taking all the time to, to put it out on the internet. But I'm hoping that these conversations are useful to other people who are thinking about it by themselves, but maybe not talking so much. And maybe some in some way together we can kind of figure out 
how to um, move the ball on this issue, even in the smallest spheres of our influence, whatever they happen to be. So, um, so yeah, so we're talking about this um, document that seemed to be just like sort of right up the alley of what we're, we're working on here, which is the psychology of climate change communication. And so you were saying, Beth, there was something that you read in there that was about framing yeah, framing things with either a promotion or a prevention focus. And again, oh. I think that, that um, you have to look at your audience and figure mm. out, are they going to respond more to a prevention focus, um, a goal as something they ought to do, or a promotion focus that, that people see an ideal, a goal as an ideal and are concerned with advancement. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit like... Hope versus fear, and I think right. what, different... what drives you, yeah. mm-hmm. or also what excites you, you know, because you like the idea of promotion. When I hear that word, I think, well, I, I, it's hard to sort of keep it my mind from going towards advertising, or, <laughs> but that's not what what it actually means. It's promoting an idea. It's like sort of advocating for an idea, advocating for an ideal. Um, I think. I can imagine some, I can picture some people who are really, who really get excited about moving our whole social system or moving our way of being in the world or moving the ball. Basically, that's the the word of the day, moving the, the phrase of the day, moving the ball. Um, and they get really, you can get really excited there because you feel like, you know, we can do this, we can do this, you know, sort of team spirit kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the other side of it is, feels more like individual, like here's something I can do. Here's something, I mean, I, I might be putting this framework on top of it, the individual versus the group. Yeah, I think you are putting that framework on okay. top of it. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is two different approaches. And yeah. I guess, I guess it depends on what, which one mm-hmm. makes you feel like yeah. you're going to move. Right. So I want to, there's two things that are on my mind. Like one is another question about this, but even stepping away from it for a second, do you, do you feel like, like, I feel like I'm in a slump in a certain way. Like I, the idea of trying to communicate to people about this, I, I feel some discouragement around it. And so like all of these things are interesting, like all these sort of strategic thinking about it, but I'm not sure how to put them to use right now. And I wonder if you maybe had any thoughts about how to address that or if you found anything in here that helped you, that would help me think about that. I know we're both kind of not deeply versed in all of the thinking here, but. No, I really can't say that I do. I'm really still struggling with the idea of what's my personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and what should I be pushing for our government to be doing? Mm -hmm. And I do feel a sense of relief when I think about um, these larger organizations looking at climate change because they can look ahead and know that it affects them. So the military, for instance, is recognizing that climate change is going to affect stability around the world. And so they're doing things to um, minimize the effects of climate change within 
what they do, insurance mm. companies, right? For instance, yeah. so I, I'm still, I am still feeling like I'm two steps back trying to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, what's my goal in yeah. this? Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of feel, I feel the same way, and at the same time, been watching the recent news and you know hearing, you know, like. Obama was rejecting the Keystone pipeline and um, Shell Oil isn't going to do and has walked back an intention to do more fracking in Alberta, um, Canada. And um, I think in general, a spirit among activists right now that the tide is turning in the favor of recognizing this is real and that we have to do something. And like you talked about, the bigger sort of entities in our world really trying to look squarely at it and taking it seriously, especially in our country. That's a big deal um, Mm -hmm. because denial has taken such a center sort of stage. And and that even like looking at Exxon um, having covered up their own research. And I think just there's some kind of sort of a consciousness that's shifting there in a general way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I guess on one hand, I feel more hopeful. And on the other hand, I feel more lost about, I don't feel like as clear um, where I fit in. I mean, personal responsibility is a big, big piece, obviously, but it's not, but turning the tide thing is, it has to be universal. Yeah. And I guess the, where I feel on that is I don't feel like any, particular personal behavioral change that I make in terms of riding my bike more or changing the kind of light bulbs Mm -hmm. is at all significant, except that each time people see me riding my bike somewhere or come to my house and see the kind of light bulbs that I have, for instance, it kind of clicks with them. Oh yeah, here's one person who's doing mm-hmm. that. Right. So that I'm this little teeny weeny piece in changing the direction of the tide. Well, and I think that's huge. And and we when I think I said this maybe not as clearly as I could have when we first spoke the first time we did a podcast or even just to you privately, what a huge impact it had on me that you went to the climate march because mm-hmm. Um, there was a point where this was something in the background of my thought. It bothered me, but I didn't put my mind on it. And there was a few little linchpin things that made me question myself about why, why am I not looking closer at this? I think of myself a certain way Mm -hmm. and it doesn't line up. And what I was thinking of was, I think that I care about this and that I want to make a difference. And yet I didn't go to the climate march. Beth went. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not, and and I didn't even know Beth was thinking about this. So, so I mean, my first reaction was like, I need to have a conversation with, well, it wasn't my first, but eventually it came to, I need to have a conversation with Beth about this. And that mm-hmm. conversation led me to doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a, you, your little teeny impact. And whether or not this podcast, I mean, people are listening to it. People are listening to it in Russia, you know, mm-hmm. but um and what, who knows if any one small thing we're saying is sparking something. So I, I do think there's something about just 
moving our minds in this direction and moving our lives in this direction of taking this on Mm -hmm. that's huge in small ways so maybe we can in our own small way take credit for this feeling of tide turning of course a lot of cynical people would disagree that nothing's turning and there's you know it's a small sort of small victories and larger battles are ahead but i don't know we'll see yeah yeah so we're in november yeah and i'm thinking about um the set of presidential debates we've been having and um, how certain candidates are really strongly opposed to the idea of climate change. And yet these same people are really involved in business. Mm -hmm. And I find it hard to believe that they are not looking at things from a business standpoint in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. You know, that they have this outward rhetoric saying, no, we're not going to look at climate change. But I bet in their business lives Mm. they really are right they must have some contingencies in place yeah Mm. and i would imagine that there's a certain cynical um fear-based kind of approach to business right now in some places where it's like oh the world is coming to an end we better just hoard as much wealth as we can and get what we can because if we don't do it someone else will kind of thing you know like Maybe, but I also think there are a fair number of businesses that are looking at opportunities. Right. Definitely. So I would imagine that both is happening. And I remember reading in Naomi Klein's book um, where she's tying capitalism with um, climate change. What is it called? Mm -hmm. This changes everything. She was talking about oil companies, um, energy companies, uh, taking some investing in alternative energy for a little while, but then it seemed to scare investors that they were looking at depleted oil reserves. So they Mm. redoubled. Basically that's when fracking became such a big thing is that they Mm -hmm. took their money out of solar and put it into this new technology Uh, for a while. And, and there, you know, now there's been enough of an, um, there's enough of a powerful citizens lobby in a sense against this kind of thing that it's, causing that and also it's it's there's there's some there's a tide turning in that world that fracking is maybe not so lucrative Mm -hmm. um it's dirty it's messy people hate it and it's expensive and you know once you you only make a little at first and then it gets more expensive I, i i don't have all the details but there seems to be like a business intelligence that's saying this isn't the way to go that's not based on thinking about the future, but it's thinking about whether or not there's profit to be had. So, yeah. What was really interesting is um, my parents live in upstate New York, Mm -hmm. and they're at the end, they're sort of on the cusp of where there would be fracking. Right. And um, there was a lot of political and grassroots activity around fracking, both pro and con. Mm -hmm. But what was really interesting to me was there's not a lot of business in that area. It's pretty much all farming. But what business there was, um, in some cases, was strongly anti-fracking. There there is a brewing company out there. Mm. Um, There are other food manufacturing kinds of things. And they strongly came out against fracking Mm -hmm. because they felt like it would affect their groundwater. So... um, I feel like that is part of that tide that's changing mm. where it's not all, oh, 
you know, how we've always done things is good for the economy. Yeah. And didn't New York pass something against fracking? They're mm-hmm. not going to do fracking. Yeah. They just made it illegal. Mm-hmm. And and there's been towns like Coventry and I think... Chaplin? Not Chaplin. Mansfield? But Mansfield, maybe. Passed something about not... They're not going to have fracking waste here. And, and mm-hmm. in a sense, I don't, I don't know enough to say that that's actually a real threat. But the idea of people kind of flexing their citizen muscle and learning sort of the ropes about how to get heard, I, I feel like that's powerful, mm-hmm. um, regardless of the significance of that particular action. Um, it's The significance is that, that um, people who are thinking about this are organizing to be politically influential, which I, I spoke to um, an organizer for 350 in Massachusetts, who met with a legislator, legislator who said that that they know when certain topics are coming up for legislation that they're going to hear from, say, the gun lobby or the, whatever. I don't know what else, but um, pharmaceutical. I have no idea. But anyway, when it comes to environmental stuff, they don't they don't hear from anyone. Oh. And so that that level of that level of organization like is starting to happen hopefully on 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 small scale town by town basis that's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am it's weird it's like I'm hopeful about the big picture but still like like for instance I months ago sent a thing out to my family um and I think I told you about it mm-hmm. um saying this christmas if you want to give me a present make it some kind your action on climate change and here are some suggestions and I gave them some ways to educate themselves about it and um organizations I, I think it was mostly starting with educate yourself and giving them some resources I didn't get much response <laughs> from my family my parents kind of got excited for a little while and my and one of them, my brother's engaged in a conversation with me about it. Um, and that's a start, but the holiday's coming. So I, I'm just, I'm, I guess we'll find out together in a sense, you and me and my audience, cause I will tell you all, um, what happens, but I don't, I don't pursue the topic with them like I did at that time. Yeah. Well, I think you planted the seed back then. Yeah. And um, as I was coming over here mm-hmm. for this, I was thinking my family is getting together together for Thanksgiving, right. and I was going to bring up the topic with them. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about your family and bringing it up again, yeah. maybe not to get into the nitty gritty of um, all these little details but just have a general discussion do you think you would do that over a thanksgiving dinner what kind of framework do you think Mm -hmm. would be helpful for them right yeah i have to think about it right now it it it, all my my knee-jerk sort of mental reaction right now is that me talking about climate change would be like oh no she's talking about climate change again (laughs) And, and, and actually I, I think it's probably significant for me to notice that that's where my mind goes and I kind of shut it down before anything else. But probably like one of the things that I think of, like from this, um, psychology of climate change, um, document that we were reading, um, the idea of approaching your conversation through the lens of whatever that person's orientation is, um, what I think of there is that it's not so much about being strategic 
um, about how you interpret them and frame things and, and try things out on them as it is about listening. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to tell you what they're interested in talking about and what they're caring about and what's on their minds. And maybe that's the way to go for me over Thanksgiving and in other interactions is is to keep drawing out people out about where their minds are and what, what is a concern for them and maybe not being so quick to try to convince them. My dog's outside the door and would really like to come in. Um, not being so quick to try to convince them that um, well, that issue is tied to climate change. And this is how, you know, it's like less about my agenda. <laughs> mm. So when I was thinking about talking about it for Thanksgiving, yeah. I haven't sent my family that little letter, but I was thinking Thanksgiving might be a good time. What do you mean that time. little letter? That the, le- the letter you sent to your family oh. about requesting that they do an action for climate change mm-hmm. as a gift for you. Yeah. But I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, for the holidays, people want to think about fun, coming together, shiny excitement. And how do you make an activity right. of, about climate change into that? Yeah. And I bet there are some mm-hmm. fun ways. Um, I was also listening to... A, little podcast by Bill Nye, who has a new book out on climate change. And he's this really upbeat scientist. And his final saying was, and you can buy a case of them and give them to your family as Christmas gifts, these books. And I thought, well, that sounds, that actually sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe my family would like to everybody get a book and then at some point talk about it. You know, frame it not as here's your book, but do, do your homework. <laughs> well, no, this is going to be a family activity yeah, to yeah. talk about this. Right, right. Well, you also have a lot of people in your family who are very active and concerned about this more so than we are even, you know. Yeah. Your sister, what did you tell me your sister does? She's the executive director of Maine Rivers and Environmental Advocacy. Right. And your mom's so I'm gonna I'm gonna let the dog in because she's being very distracting. She might be less distracting. She can be in here with us. But oh, one thing that's one thing that's been on my mind is to see, and I ha- I don't know why I haven't yet. I, maybe it's because I want to watch it with others, and I haven't found that. Oh, maybe I can do that Saturday. I was thinking about doing a little bonfire in my yard, but it's going to be too cold. Um, but I want to see. The movie the, for Naomi Klein's book, the This Changes Everything movie. Oh. And it's out. You can get it on um, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, have any plans Saturday night? I don't. I you would love watch to. It? Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So there. That's a, that's a breakthrough for me right there. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, I, got, I was I was having a little interaction with a friend of mine who's who's an incredible local organizer. She's organized this thing called Trash Mob, um, which is like groups of people that get together. She just like puts out a notice on Facebook um, and then people get together and they pick up trash in whatever location at whatever time that she declares. And they they kind of have a fun little presence online, um, like they're a little gang, you know, with their Mm -hmm. with their um, reflective vests on (laughs) their bags of trash and and. Um, and I was talking to her about would she do a podcast talk with me and um, where was I going with this well basically she felt like 
she couldn't talk about climate change. She didn't feel like versed enough in it. But I just felt like, no, but what I need from you is help with this piece, which is the part about engaging other people and and having fun and not feeling so heavy about taking things on that are just messy work that needs to be done kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and somehow I tend to feel like they're, those things are just insurmountable. It just feels like, it, oh, no, I'm too lazy, and it, does, it sounds not like fun. And blah. Something happens to me mentally around the group engagement thing where I, I, I feel like it's too hard. But this person gets it. And just being able to say, hey, let's watch that movie Saturday night, is uh and now so it's obvious it'll be fun i'll make popcorn you know mm-hmm. how could it not be fun to hang out with right. your friends right. <laughs> so and i've thought of some other people i will I'll invite as well so that's good i feel good about that this conversation has changed me a little bit and those mm-hmm. little bits matter mm-hmm. uh, anything else from the um communication of climate change Ah, well, the one thing, the other thing that I was thinking about is um, at a certain point, they were talking about charging a carbon tax or a carbon offset Mm -hmm. and just how you, which word you used, carbon offset or carbon tax Mm -hmm. really made a big difference in how comfortable people were with the idea that there was much more public buy-in if you use the term carbon offset they're being charged the same amount but if it's a carbon offset i think it makes people feel better than if it's a carbon tax hmm. that's the, and where, what do we do with that information like is it is it really are we are we i guess my thought is it's kind of a uh, critical thought but the thought is are we really that like superficial in a sense as humans <laughs> um, the wording makes that i guess i it's think true. it does yeah yeah i think it does mm. and i actually feel better with the idea of a carbon offset because right. i feel like okay mm-hmm. i'm paying this extra money and it will go towards addressing the problem mm-hmm. whereas when you pay a carbon tax right you think oh that's going into the general fund yeah. and the money gets absorbed and swallowed mm. up to something yeah that's a- it pays for more military or whatever right yeah. oh okay yeah, and, and actually, you know, if I follow it, that thinking, I come to, um, like, just the way you name things um, keeps the intention of them in the front. Um, and it, it either obscures the intention, intention, you know, sort of the doublespeak, sort of 1984 kind of stuff, or um, or it actually keeps the intention clear. And... Maybe I'm maybe it, part of my first reaction had to do with a sort of cynicism because there is a lot of that sort of trying to obscure mm-hmm. um, real intention with like words that disguise it. Uh, but but that actually does make sense that we should where we want to use the power of word, the power of words the for for the good that we should. Mm-hmm. We should try to be really clear about the intention when we can. Makes sense. Um what else? Psychology of communicate, communi- psychology of climate change communication. 
Um, one thing that we talked about before the last time we spoke, um, that came up really early in that little publication, by the way, if you want to read this thing, it's not very long. It's all available online for free. Um, and I will include a link in the show notes. Um, the website for this podcast is, uh, hello, cc.info. And, um, every time I publish a podcast, I put it on the website with the show notes. So you'll have the link right there. Um, so anyway, um, one thing that struck me that's early on in it is, um, oh, what is it? It went out of my head. Oh yeah. The, I, there was something about, I can't remember what the, the single action response or something like that. There was, uh, I could look it up. Um, maybe it's in the overuse of emotional appeals section. Oh, finite. Oh, I like this idea. The finite pool of worry. The idea oh, being yeah. that we all have like a, a limited capacity for worrying. And there comes a point where you've filled that capacity and you just can't. There's just no more space in you to mm-hmm. worry. Like you're as scared as you can be. You're as worried as you can be. You're as you're you're going to um, decide that's it. That's it. That's, a, that's as far as I'll go. So to adding to that doesn't necessarily... Um, doesn't necessarily change anybody. <laughs> um, and then, and then there was this other thing called the single action bias. And we talked about this before and I'll just briefly cover it, but they're talking about how when you have sort of an amorphous kind of sense of worry about something that you don't fully understand, um, you can kind of feel like there's just, you do one thing and then that puts it at rest. You've done what you can and you don't think any further than that. And I thought that was really interesting. The example they gave being um, asking a group of people, how many of you change your light, have changed your light bulbs to the compact fluorescence? And most people will say yes. And then the second question being, how many of you shut down your computer at night? And most of them don't raise their hands because it didn't even occur to them. Because mm-hmm. that wasn't, the, once they've done their one single action, that, that's as far as their mind went. So... I mean, I think I've, I'm, I'm beyond that at this point. There's so many other things, but I still don't like religiously turn my computer off at the end of the day. There's just too many like work things in progress that I have to reopen and it seems like a pain, but you know, it just doesn't occur to me like, Oh, these little things. Um, but, but even as an example, I mean, even though that there's a certain level at which they're not all that significant, um, like if we had a limited ration of electricity every day that like maybe we should have, um, then those would become inevitably important. Mm-hmm. Um, and working towards something like that might make some sense. Um, of course, if we're using renewable energy, that changes things. But um, in the meantime, but it can be easy to think of just the one thing and then anything further is beyond where you'd want to go. You want to say anything about that? Yeah, I'm thinking about the computer thing and I'm thinking that's a... For me, it's not an example of doing the one action and then stopping. It's an example of, oh, yeah, how many times do I need to be reminded to turn off my computer before I actually start to do it? Hmm. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's six. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 30. But if it's 30, you know, and I hear it 30 times, eventually I will start to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's another way of saying you know, keep putting it out there, keep putting it out there, don't get discouraged, keep right. putting it out there, and then 
eventually it sinks home. Right, right. Some some little thing you put out there, you may be doing that for the 30th time for someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the one that clicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, just occurred to me now, like, I could put a little post-it on the side of my computer with a little graphic, you know, drawing of a moon on it, which which is all I need to remind myself, like, oh, nighttime, going to bed, turn it off. Mm-hmm. So... Good. Anything else you want to talk about today? Well, I just find this very helpful, just sitting down yeah. and talking about it. You know, as I was driving over here, it's easy to get into that space of feeling overwhelmed and stuck. But just talking about it, it kind of gets my brain going mm-hmm. about other ways to look at things or things that I can really easily be doing. And another way to look at things is um, to say, you know what, how much time a week would I be willing to devote to this? Mm -hmm. Let's say an hour a week. And if I put an hour a week on my calendar, then that means that in that hour a week, I'm going to either sit down and send a note to my congressman or think about what kinds of things I need to do and say, oh, yeah, I am going to put the post-it note on my computer or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So that I just always like to think of things from a different standpoint. And the standpoint of an hour a week seems kind of an interesting way to look at it. You know, what Mm -hmm. would I do with that? Mm -hmm. I could just have read more of this uh, article, for instance. right. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting approach. Um, yeah, for me, that's a similar to kind of the discipline that doing this podcast is for me. Is that um, I, I, I mean, ideally, I'd be putting out a podcast once a week. That's that was I started out with that, and when I was really sort of getting started, I, I was doing even more than that. Um, and and now I'm doing them about I, if I I don't go more than two weeks be, between them, mm-hmm. um, but um, the amount of, it takes some time. It takes some planning. You know, I have to kind of think about who I want to have conversations with, um, a little bit about what I want to talk about. Um, and I have to do some emailing and calling and, um, and just, you know, then I reserve the time and, you know, this is a busy work day for me and you, but we took Mm -hmm. out some time, um, just to sit down and check in. And I think that's so important because when you're, kind of trying to wrestle with this issue by yourself it does start to look like mm-hmm. oh what can i do like right now i'm really excited about inviting people over saturday night to watch a movie oh good <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm kind of working through the list of people i can think of i mean there's probably much more people i could think of than i could fit in my living room but um um but i so maybe i'll do it more than once hey but and I'm really excited about my family getting together for Thanksgiving and thinking about what are some ways to make climate change be kind of a fun gathering conversation mm. topic yeah. activity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds... Got any ideas? Because right now I cannot picture that. <laughs> oh, you can't? <laughs> Okay, so these are just some ideas off the top of my head. Um, Maybe eight years ago, my sister introduced me to this concept of a contest she was having with her friends where for three months, 
you got a point for exercising every day, a point for not eating sugar every day, a point for this, a point for that. And then at the end, you oh. see who win the contest, wins the contest. Okay. So you could do something like that with your family. Let's have a little family contest. So you get points for signing petitions. Yeah. Point you get for... points for turning off your computer at night. There you go. You get point. What else? Um... I don't know. Probably get having a conversation with someone about yeah, climate Yeah, there you go. A point for sending an email or a letter to your congressman. I'd say maybe more, more than points, one point. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. See, I think we got something here, Amy. Okay. In fact, we could even have a contest, my family against your family. <laughs> <laughs> my family, I don't know that my family would go for it. But maybe our bike club could have a con- contest. Uh-huh. That we could introduce it during our end of season party or something. Yeah. And say, like, between now and the beginning of the season mm-hmm. somehow. And maybe we could get sponsors. I mean, this is there's all kinds of ways you could really have fun with this. But I think the first thing is to brainstorm a list of actions. And, and really, there's so much value in... Um, and the small actions that, are, that, that, that bridge the gap between you and another human being on this topic. So that mm-hmm. would be fun to sort of brainstorm some more about that. Yeah. Point for every Save the Planet chocolate bar. You do. What are those? Oh. What's that chocolate? There's a chocolate bar. Yeah, chocolate those ones that... at the co-op. Save the species. Oh, they're the, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're different animals. Yeah, on the... point for every Okay, so eating chocolate could eat. get you... <laughs> Um, maybe I think there'd probably be some points for not buying things that you don't actually really need mm-hmm. and even not even going to the store when you don't really need to just because, yep. but somehow it's got to be something where you were going to, and you decided not to. It's very, yeah. this is all a very much an honor system. But. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but I, I think we could spend some time come up with something mm-hmm. and talk about it next time all right good 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 idea all right so have a great rest of your day thanks you too okay